You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. And we'll spend our time learning Torah, having fun, and just having fun and learning Torah and whatever else we feel like doing today. But again, I hope you're enjoying our new format that we're now twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 o'clock. And again, everything's on the archives and short and sweet. So if you can't exercise for an hour straight and you're only 25 minutes, so, uh, so that's perfect timing for our show. We're driving to and from work. All good things to do with the show. Lots of good information. And uh, I'm by my lonesome today. So... Um, we will just have fun. We'll talk about this week's Torah portion. And again, if you want to send any comments, questions, send it to my mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. So, um, okay, I hope everybody had a great Purim. Purim is so much fun. The kids are so excited. Um, I told one of the teachers in school by us, I said, Detroit is different than other cities. You know, in other cities, you know, your kids will run around and give a... Shalchman is the food packages. Give a food package to this friend, to this neighbor. I said, in Detroit, that's not how it works. In Detroit, your children want to give to every single one of their classmates. 20, 25 children. You have uh, four or five kids that want to run around. You could do the math, right? You, you got to get to 125 people. Now, siblings go to the same place. They live in the neighborhood. The kids will walk a couple blocks. And again, the neighborhoods are pretty condensed. But my children expect to be driven around, even though it doesn't sound good. Um, but I told this teacher, I said, just understand, it's real. They want to give all their friends. Now, you don't have to drive around to everybody because the likelihood is some are coming to you, some you go to them, you keep track. But it's very, very important. So my wife and I will give out a couple, make sure we give something nicer to the teachers. But the bulk of my shalachmanis driving, delivering, um, is with my children, and, and it's, it's the beauty of Purim that we're just all friendship, all love, all, all, all increasing friendship, and, uh, and that's what we do. It's really an amazing, amazing day. We've talked about it the last couple weeks for the shows, but again, it was just such an amazing Purim. We just all had a blast, and I hope you did too. So this week's Torah portion, which, by the way, has a lot in connection and we'll try to talk about it before the end of the show, has a lot in connection with Purim. It's called Kisisa, and the Torah portion starts out. Kisisa officially means when you'll count the B'nai, when you'll count the B'nai, so when you'll count the Jewish people. But interesting, the word Sisa really means to lift up. So really, the Torah portion means when you will lift up the Jewish people and you will count them. So first things first, we really need to focus why is counting lifting up the Jewish people. And the second most important thing we need to talk about is how do you count the Jewish people. So you're probably familiar. 
Um, I know the message just came out that Michigan is starting their census. People are going to be going around, and the letters will be coming out, and how many people live in your house. There is this thing that is it is important to know how many people live in each state. Obviously, in America, it's very important because you got to know how many representatives you're going to have in Congress and, and uh, how much uh, taxes will be collected and how much uh, money will come back from the federal government. It's all according to numbers. Um, the city of Detroit at one point had 1.8 million people, hard to imagine. Um, I'm guessing it's in the 800,000 range, um, but every cent has been going down. And that hurts. A big city like like Detroit's, till you get to that magic number of a million, you got to get back to that number. That's a long road to travel with everybody already out in the suburbs. Like so, people will start going back. There's areas that are going back, but but there's huge areas of land that that they're talking about turning into farms. So census is definitely important. Um, the question is, what's the importance of a Jewish census. And that's really what this week's, the beginning at least, of this week's Torah portion is all about. First of all, we don't count by head. We don't say, we look in the room at one, two, three, four. We don't do that. As a matter of fact, um, if you want to make sure there's 10 people for your quorum, 10 people for the minion, um, so you can pray with a group, we don't start counting. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. We don't do that. We don't count heads we what people will do is they will have a verse. There's some famous verses or blessings that have um, that have ten words in it. We'll use that. Or people will actually say not one, not two, not three. They'll do something, but they will not count heads. Why? Because the Torah says if you count by heads, it will lead to a plague. It will lead to terrible things. Um, interesting enough, with King David. Actually, um, it was today's uh, page in the Talmud. It's, uh, I believe it's 62. It's 62 or 63 in the first tractate of uh, Brachot or Brachos. So again, if you're not listening to the show and I say today, so obviously not today, it's today when I'm recording. But it talks about that King David made a mistake. And again, this, uh, this is problematic because it's a clear verse. So King David, made, how he could make that mistake is a conversation for another time. But King David actually made a mistake on a verse, and he made a Jewish census, and he counted. And God said, okay, there's going to be a punishment. And he actually gave King David choices, and King David said, let there be a plague, because that, at least God, is up to you, and uh, you'll only let it go. You'll have mercy, while other things, if other people are going to be involved in the punishment, there's not so much mercy. And there was a plague, and many, many Jewish people died and uh, because King David counted heads. So the question is to think about, like, what's the big deal, right? Now, as we didn't discuss why counting is important, but whatever our answer is going to be um, and whatever reason we need a census, um, why should it cause a plague? So, um, so there's a few different directions to go. Um, one of the directions that I like to talk about is when we when we single out an individual, when when the focus becomes on this individual, so it it creates some people call it ayin hara, like an evil eye, but and this even answers what's with a problem with an evil eye, but it creates a focus, it creates that either God or uh, 
or the angels are focusing and they go to God and they say, is this guy as good as he makes himself out to be? Is this lady as good as she makes himself out to be? Maybe we need to reinvestigate. And we never want to be judged. Even on the high holidays, we're being judged. But we ask God not to, not to judge us with judgment, but to judge us with mercy. We want to be part of the congregation. We want to be part of a unit, part of a group. We don't want to just be an individual, which is going to be interesting because we're going to say both sides of the coin in a couple minutes. And coin is cute because we count with coins. But um, we want to be part of. We don't want to just be an individual because an individual leads to a, a, like a laser beam focus from God, and that's never a good thing. So God rejudges the person and says, hey, he has all this good stuff, but, you know, he did this thing wrong and that thing wrong. Maybe he doesn't deserve that. And, and, uh, and he has this. Obviously, God has all the calculations. He always has all the calculations. But a lot of things are calculated with mercy. But if we get rejudged without the mercy line, without that mercy attribute, as we say, we're toast. That's, that's big problems, and we don't want those problems. We don't want that kind of judgment, that kind of focus. So that's why counting by heads makes you into an individual. This single person, that single person, no, we're part of a group. Um, so instead, we count with coins. That's the standard way of counting. And the truth is King Saul counted with sheep when he wanted to count how many soldiers he had. And, and other times they count with pieces of pottery. It doesn't really matter. There's a story in the Talmud where they wanted to know how many Passover sacrifices were brought. So they sort of uh, made a special, um, I don't know what they put them in, but they, they, were, they were counting the, the, um, the kidneys. So what happened was you would have, when they were taking care of the whole animal, so one of the priests would hold up a, a kidney and another Kohen would put a coin in a basket and they realized that they had slaughtered um, 600,000 sacrifices that year that uh, right before Passover. So we don't like the idea of focus, we are a group, which, by the way, leads to something fascinating. And that is, I just heard this last night, and I said this last, uh, last show, um, so my son... Um, has uh, he's in fifth grade, and in fifth grade they begin studying Talmud. They're gonna learn a couple words a day, but it's a it's a huge milestone. As they are ready, fifth grade is generally the age. Some places it's sixth grade, but that's generally the grade that they will start uh, swimming in the sea of Talmud. And he is so excited, and he has he showed me his his new Talmud. He has his own volume. We have it home all over the place, but he deserves a new one. It was important to him. He was so excited, and I took a picture, and I sent it to his mother, and the mother sends back and says, he's not smiling. So I said, okay, let me get another picture. I got another smile, and, and I sent that picture. Said, oh, much better. And I'm sure that picture by now is probably already up on my fridge. Very important to him. We reviewed what he studied. Ten words, and, and two of those words were somebody's name. And another word was like a, one of the simplest words, the simplest verbs that exist. But he was so excited because he knows this is where it all begins. Yeah, he can't study as much as I can. He did 10 words in a couple hours. And I did, uh, you know, that same amount of time I did a couple pages. It doesn't matter. He is so excited because he knows this is the oral law. This is where it begins. So in any case... So um, at the party, it was very beautiful. So the, the boys put on a presentation, and they sang songs, and they had speeches. And afterwards, 
um, all the fathers sat down and had a meal with their sons. So I was sitting next to my son on one side, and there was another boy on another side, and then his father, and across the table, another boy and his father. It was beautiful. Not that the father sat in one corner and the boys in another corner. We, we all sat together to show the boys how important this is. So at, at the meal, so a different teacher got up and spoke. And he said something very interesting. You know, I don't know all languages, but I know English, sort of. And in the English language, you can have a word that is only one letter. The letter A is a word. The letter I um, is a word. Uh, well, I'm not sure it's going to change, but uh, in texting, the letter U has now become a word, which is kind of silly. But, um, but it, it, the concept of one letter being a word exists. In the Torah, and in the Hebrew language, I can't say modern Hebrew, but in the Torah Hebrew language, there is no such thing as one letter being a word. There's no such thing. It's always going to be minimum two letters. There's even an argument among some, some great rabbis in the past. Can you have a verb with only two letters? Can you have a root of two letters? Or does it need minimum three letters? But that's this concept. We are not alone. We are always together. So when we take a census, it is very important that we recognize that we are not individuals. We are a unit. And by the way, um, we didn't discuss the standard coin that was used. Um, the standard coin that was used was a half coin. We had half dollars. Um, the, the, the Jewish coin was a shekel. So each individual had to give a half shekel. Now, by the way, um, everybody has to give a half a shekel. As no one could say, well, you know, let me pay for, this, uh, for these poor people. You can give them money if you want, no problem. But, but you actually, every individual must give this half shekel coin. So what does this half shekel coin show? By me giving a half, I'm not complete. You're giving half, you're not complete. We're only complete when we give it together. Again, I don't have to walk in together with you. But it's an understood concept that everybody's giving halves because no, nothing happens by, by myself. I need to be with a group. Two letters makes, makes a word. Um, the group is what we're looking for. We want groups of people. We want everybody to understand that you're not in it alone. You're in it with everybody. And therefore, fascinating enough, um, on a regular year, every year, there was a tax. Forget about the king's tax or the city taxes or whatever. There was a temple tax. The temple tax was everybody had to give a half a coin, a half a shekel. And there, it's, it's worth, I mean, what's it worth? A quarter? A nickel? A dime? It wasn't worth very much money. But everybody had to give it. And if you didn't give it, um, the court would send out people to like take some of your property or some of your belongings as a collateral till you gave it. Everybody had to give it. Because what that accomplished was the whole Jewish people has given these half coins. And now we have the money for the public sacrifices that will be brought during the whole year. So the whole year, we are bringing sacrifices that were brought by everybody. Everybody has a portion in the public sacrifices. We don't want someone coming and saying, here's a million-dollar check. I'm taking care of this year's public sacrifices. You can give us the million-dollar check. That's very beautiful. But not for this. 
for the public sacrifices, everybody has to have a piece. Everybody has to have a portion. Everybody's involved. This is part of the group. This is part of the Jewish people being one, not splintered individuals, not individuals that are being focused on. We're, we're all in it together. And uh, let's talk about some famous situations where this came up. So um, Elisha, the prophet, um, would travel. And one of the places he traveled, there was a lady. The, the verse doesn't say her name. She's the Isha Shunamis. And she tells her husband, you know, Elisha comes by all the time, um, Elijah, and uh, let's, let's build him a room. Room with a lamp, with a bed, with a table. So um, one time when Alicia comes, he sees the room is built because this was the place he always stayed. So he says to his uh, attendant, he says, um, call her in. Let's see if she needs something. I mean, she built me a room, very beautiful. Probably she needs something. So let me find out what she needs. So his name was Gehazi. So Gehazi calls the woman up. And she's standing there, and Alicia says, what do you need? You need me to speak to the king? You need me to speak to an officer, to the government? Uh, I mean, I appreciate this room. It's very beautiful. Uh, back into our thank yous from, uh, from the other day. Um, what do you need? So she gives a fascinating answer. She says, I think it's anoichi. In the midst of my nation, I am sitting. What does that mean? So she was telling Alicia, please don't single me out. I am one of the Jewish people. As soon as you single me out, then God, I'm afraid, could focus on who I am. I don't want God focusing on me. It's never a safe thing. I am I am amongst my people. Okay, you got to finish the story. So Gehazi says she doesn't have children. So... Alicia says, okay, next you're going to have a child. So interesting enough, she says, you know, don't make fun of me. Like, don't give me something that's, that I'm going to have today, here today, gone tomorrow. If it's going to be, it's got to be real. And interesting enough, um, she has a child the next year, and then sometime later, a few years later, the child dies. She puts the child on Alicia's bed. She goes up to Alicia, and uh, she comes crying. She says, uh, I-, I told you, don't give me something that you're just going to take away. That's not fair. Like, what would you have to do that to me for? So Alicia has to actually go and create a miracle and bring this child back to life. Okay, but that's just the, that's the end of the story. But I, I wanted to focus on the fact that this woman understood we want to be part of. We do not want to be that individual. All these half coins, this machsis shekel, this census is all to say we are part of a whole. We are not a bunch of individuals. A bunch of individuals, you could take a whole coin. Here we're not taking a whole coin. Here we're taking half coins. Um, I told you, and uh, now is a good time to talk about it, um, this idea of collecting coins also has to do with Purim. And I get to talk about Purim. I, I think we've been talking about Purim for like six shows. like Because uh, Purim is one of my favorite holidays. Until we get to the next holiday. Then I'll say this holiday is one of my favorite holidays. They're all my favorite holidays. But in any case, but Purim is great. you got to love Purim. Um, so... The Jewish people every year, um, all the Jewish people would give a half a coin to the temple for the sacrifices. So it's very interesting when Haman is plotting with Achashverosh to destroy the Jewish people. Solomon says, I will give you 10,000 loaves of silver. That was not a random number. 
And it wasn't even random what he was going to do with it. The verse makes it sound like he wanted to put it in the king's treasury. Others say he wanted it to be used for charity, to show God. Jewish people give charity. We also give charity. That number of 10,000 um, kikar, lo, kikar kesev, loaves of silver, was Haman's way of going ahead and saying, God, the Jewish people will give you half a coin, a half a shekel. Okay? I am going to give you a hundred times more than that. A hundred times more. Because he was going to give the equivalent of 50 shkalim, which is a hundred times more than a half shekel, because the highest value of a person in the Torah. The Torah talks about if a person wants to donate his value to the temple, so um, a man, a healthy working man, is worth 50 shkalim. Whatever that number is, how the Torah came up with that number is not for today, um, but the Torah says this is the value of a man. If he says, I want to give my value. Now, happens to be if the person um, doesn't have enough money, if he's a poor person, so then we get to evaluate how much he's worth. But, but a wealthy Jewish person, that is the number, 50 silver coins. So Ahmed says, God, I'm going to give the value of the Jewish people. And that was multiplied by 600,000. Because in the desert, it's always 600,000. So 600,000 becomes that magic number. Just like, by the way, um, in, in, these, in the Kabbalah, it says there's 600,000 letters in the Torah. There's only 304,000 and change. But uh, some, there's certain letters are built from two letters. Or there's hidden letters there. There's letters inside of other letters. However it's figured out, um, the Kabbalah says there's 600,000 letters. Because each letter represents... Um, one Jewish person or one soul. There's six hundred thousand souls. So each letter is is the is the amount of letters. So therefore, Haman said, "I'm going to go ahead and give fifty shkalim. There's fifty whatever these coins are, and it'll add up to ten thousand loaves of silver, and that will counteract what the Jewish people do by giving a half a shekel every year." So interesting enough, the Talmud says, um, as a conversation, that God says, "Haman, you're too late." The Jewish people's half a shekel has already preceded all your 10,000 loaves. So they're already ahead. So it comes out that this week's Torah portion, which is after Purim, um, is actually what, what was part of our forgiveness. And interestingly, the verse says you'll, you'll count the people properly with these half coins. It'll be a forgiveness. That was the forgiveness that it actually was able to go ahead and, and counteract what Haman wanted to do with these 10,000 silver loaves that he either gave to Achashverosh or that he was just giving to charity. So now we're going to back up a little bit. So as much as I'm telling you that we want to be part of, we want to be part of a whole, we want to be part of a group, we don't want to be singled out, we don't want God to judge us as an individual, we want to be like that Isha Shunamis that we're, that, that we're in the midst of our nation, we're part of a group. But interesting enough, um, the Torah says every individual has to give half. In other words, the whole is not complete without my half a coin. It's true. I'm not complete. I want to be part of. But at the same time, but it's not complete without me. So it's two sides of the coin. I want to be part of the group. But at the same time, the Torah doesn't allow us to fundraise and just bring in all the money. We want every single individual to bring that coin. Because we are at, at the question I started you at the beginning. 
the counting lifts everybody up. There's no such thing as saying, you know, your coins we need, his coins, they're not so important. Absolutely not. That's not what we're looking for. Every individual is important. So, interesting enough, a second thing this uh, teacher said last night was there's a rule in the Torah. There's 600,000 letters. There is a rule that every letter has to be by itself, meaning two letters. It's not, it's not script. You cannot have two letters that touch each other. If you have two letters that touch each other, um, the whole Torah is, 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 is not kosher. Now you have to go ahead and you have to scrape out the, uh, the line in between. That's fine. You can fix the Torah scroll that way. Happens to be tefillin and mezuzah. You can correct that way. That's fine. That's certainly not for, for today. But uh, as, a, as a recap, we talked about the shkalim. We talked about the importance of the individual because I need every single person's half coin. At the same time, the Torah wants half coins because we're not on our own. We're not individuals. We want to be part of the group. Being part of that group is most important to us. And now my music is playing and I have to say goodbye. So again, I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you to all our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I couldn't do without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have Kelsey, Angel, and Andy in the back today. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with Let's Talk Torah. And you're listening to NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it. Special things I compile Each one there